Luke chapter 10 from verse 38. Um, It's entitled, At the Home of Martha and Mary in my Bible. So starting at 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thanks, Lizzie. Um, As Alex said, my name's Stephen. I'm apparently the other half of Alex's favourite couple. I heard favourite couple there. I don't know if you did, Sue. Um, I'm the youth minister here as well at Bishop Harrington Church, and it's great to be here with you uh, on the cameras and in person too. Um, As we all know, on the 10th of January, 2005, um, Come Dine With Me first aired on British TV. Yeah, yeah, we got a date marked off, anniversary and all that kind of stuff. Wow! What a TV show. Let me walk you through it, just in case you haven't seen it before. Um, four amateur chefs gather together to battle it out. It, 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 they each host a three-course dinner party. Uh, and then the other contestants kind of all come and sit and eat and enjoy their time. And then in the taxi journey home, they rate each other's dinners, their hosting skills. And then the, t- the couple that gets the highest score, they get one grand in cash. Ooh. BH, I love Come Dine With Me. Guilty pleasure for sure. Like, like, is it, it's so good. It's like a microcosm of society, isn't it? I, I mean, you get different hosting techniques. The extroverts who are sparkling and dazzling, who are like entertaining, chatting the whole time to their guests. And then you get the introverts who are like grafting away, hardworking, like chopping and beating and whipping and, and baking. And they usually pick like clashing personalities. So you get like big old fights going on. Um, and the food looks suspect. It's just vintage British reality TV. And what we have in Luke 10, doesn't it feel like a first century AD come dine with me, right? You've got a dinner party. You, you, you've got different hosting techniques. You've got clashes of personalities. And we get to watch. So let's have a look how it starts. Uh, Luke 10, verse 38. Um, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. So remember, that's a reminder that that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. And we, the reader, we kind of know that that means he's on the way to death at the cross. But but it's on the way that, verse 38, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Ah, Martha. She shows incredible hospitality, like opening her doors, uh, inviting Jesus in. And actually... It's probably not just Jesus here at this point. Like, some commentators reckon there's a hundred other people with him at least. Because the 70 have just returned, remember, in Luke 10? Uh, uh, and people are kind of following him around, going, what's he going to do next? Like, this is a big old party. At the very least, there's 12 other guests with Jesus, right? Now, imagine all the hosting, the cooking, the cleaning you've got to do for a party like that. Ooh, and no wonder we read in verse 40 that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I mean, th- 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 there are so many things to do. 
Um, when Lizzie and I ha- have even one guest coming around, there's a lot to do. You know, we plan the menu like weeks in advance. The hour before we're there, hoovering, polishing the silver cutlery. We don't have silver cutlery, but polishing away. Um, we put out the nibbles, then we eat the nibbles, and we put out more nibbles before they arrive. You know how it is, right? There's so much to do. And so you can picture Martha in this hostess blur of activity, right? Like, like taking sandals, like putting out seats, passing around olive trays. She's here, she's there, she's everywhere. There's so many things to do. And it's not as if she's got any backup. Do you see verse 39? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Like, there's so many things to do. And her sister is doing now. Just sitting there listening like, what? Distracted away. And actually, let's focus on Mary because she's not only just, just being like, uh, she's not only just being lazy it seems, but, well, She's being shocking in that culture too. Uh, Earl Ellis, he said, the extraordinary feature is that the pupil is a woman. Judaism did not forbid women to be instructed in the Torah, but it, it was very unusual for a rabbi to lower himself to this. So for Mary to sit in the place of a disciple, like, that's shocking in that culture. You can imagine the kind of raised eyebrows, the disapproving tuts around the room. But, but notice... Not from Jesus. You notice that. In fact, as we're going to see, Jesus exalts Mary as a model of discipleship. In fact, it's one of the striking features about Luke's gospel. How Jesus goes out of his way to to, to value the women. In fact, I'm sure there would have been many um, people who would have um, like frowned upon Jesus even going to the house of Mary and Martha in the first place. And yet, uh, as Rebecca McLaughlin said... Jesus made time for women and treated them with care and respect. So countercultural in those days. And so, um, women here at BH, just want to chat to you for a minute. If you felt here at this church undervalued or excluded or, or uncared for, not respected, um, first off, like, I'm de- deeply sorry for that. But secondly, that's not from the Lord Jesus. Look at his heart. His heart is one of love who champions women and invites them to be his disciples. No, no, to be part of his family. That's the savior we serve. And doesn't this scene, back to the scene in Luke 10, doesn't it feel so familiar? I mean, I don't know about you, but I find myself sympathizing with Martha. It used to grate my goat when, like, um, my brother and sister are there playing games, having fun when I'm growing up, and I'm there in the kitchen washing up. Oh, my. Martha, she may have tried some of the Stephen Dimitrio passive-aggressive techniques of kind of getting someone to help you. You know this one. The, the clanging pans really loudly. I'm saying, I'm working here, you know, or... She may have tried um, the walk past glare and then the walk back past grunt. <laughs> Passive aggressive speak. Why aren't you helping me? And in fact, you kind of feel her frustration building up more and more and more until suddenly it gets to the point when she pulls out the big guns. I'm telling on you. Right? Like, have a look at it. Verse 40, she says, um, she came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care? That my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. 
you want to know that Luke's gospel really happened? <laughs> that, that this is real historical events? Like, this here tells me this really happened because we all have been in this situation before, haven't we? <laughs> there were echoes of the Demetrio house t- 20 years ago. Little 10-year-old Stephen running up to mum. Mum, Michael's not helping. Get him to help me. What? There were so many things to do. But I think kind of what Martha's doing here, um, it's what I'm calling a, a, a puff up, put down. She's puffing herself up, putting her sister down. You notice that? She's puffing herself up. She's saying, look how busy I am. Everyone, look at me. I'm working so, so hard. And in the same breath, putting her sister down. Everyone, look how lazy Mary is. She's not helping. Look. See, I think the heart of verse 40 is pride. There's so many things to do. And Martha's kind of wearing her busyness as a badge of honor. How well she'd fit in in 21st century home, am I right? Like, like um, when someone asks how we're doing, we don't tell them our emotions. We show them our calendar. Yeah, I'm so busy at the moment. And then the, the, the busy poker games begin. You've done this before? Oh, yeah, I know how that was. I was working till 7 o'clock last night. Mate, I, I, I feel you. I was working till midnight every, every day last week. Yeah, I, I know how that feels. Oh, I haven't had a day off in a couple of months now. And so on and so on, raising the stakes higher and higher. We live in this culture that values busyness. We kind of um, write these to-do lists, these endless, massive to-do lists. And then, like, these things dictate our emotions. Have you seen this? You're like, like, we feel amazing when we tick things off. We're like, wow, fantastic. What a day it's been. I've got so much done. And then in the same note, we feel awful when we haven't ticked things off. We feel crushed. Oh, woe is me. There's so much to do. You notice that? And in fact, uh, have a look at verse 41, how Jesus responds to, to Martha. It says, upset and troubled. That's how we feel if we don't get things done. We're like, ah, anxious, on edge, angry. See, I think the heart of our busyness in this culture we live in is often pride, like for Martha. We want people to see how hard we're working. We think, um, I'm indispensable. There are so many things to do and no one else can do them but me. So I'll answer emails on holiday. So, so I'll be available at all hours, even when I'm sleeping. And by the way, this is from scouring my own heart. I wonder if you see any patterns in yours too. And what does the Lord Jesus think of all our busyness? What does the Lord Jesus think of all that Martha is doing? Because we want and we expect him to like stand Martha up and say, this woman is a legend. Look at her serving. She's doing so much. Wow. Be like Martha. That's what we want and expect. That's what Martha expects too, I think. And yet, what does Jesus say to her? Have a look at verse 41. Martha, Martha. Oh no. Double name. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
Did we hear that? <laughs> Our modern minds can't compute with this. Wait, 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 wait. Mary. Lazy Mary. Mary, who's sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary, who's doing nothing. She has chosen what's better. Like, Jesus, what are you on about? That doesn't work in our culture, in our society. And in fact, more than that, have a look at verse 40. Martha was distracted. If anyone looks distracted, it's Mary. And yet Luke has flipped the tables on us all. Martha's distracted. Um, you're learning a lot about what gets under my skin today. But one of the things that gets under my skin, I'm sorry about this, uh, are people on their phones in restaurants. Uh, or, or the Apple Watchers, you know, they're there, with, they're there with friends, sitting down, having a meal together. Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, man. Text, text. Yeah. And then, and then, it's at Bill's two weeks, uh, two weeks ago for, for breakfast with my wife Lizzie. Stephen's there on his phone, scrolling, and scroll. oh, Lizzie's talking. Oh man, Lizzie's talking to me. She's the main thing. She should have all my focus, all my attention. I'm, I'm there looking at the many things of the world, going, "We." Distracted from the one important thing. That's like Martha. Luke says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be needed. In fact, uh, Luke also says in verse 42, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. She's distracted from the one thing. Uh, See, her her gaze is on her work, on her jobs list, on the stuff she's got to do. And in that, she's lost sight of the one important thing. Jesus. Jesus. There are so many things to do, but there's only one thing we need to do. Spend time with Jesus. One thing. That's what Mary's commended for. For sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus. In fact, um, one writer said, uh, a disciple should never be too busy to sit at the Lord's feet. And yet, don't we see the Martha in each one of us, right? Distracted by the many things, valuing those over the one thing. Like, if we order our lives around what we most love, I wonder what our lives kind of say about us. Like, like, like work is the all-consuming thing that, that kind of dictates all that we do. We're working later and later and later, and we'll say it's only for a little period of time, but it goes on and on and on. Or, or, um, or KO, and KO parents actually too. In exam time, when work starts mounting up, does revision become the word that gets us away from church and away from God? We live in this this hectic life where our phones are binging constantly, adding more things to our to-do list, and we're like here, there, everywhere, dropping children off over. So distracted from the one thing. And this frenetic pace, have a look how it leaves us. Um, Verse 41 Worried and upset, the NIV says. ESV says anxious and troubled. Do you notice that? Chasing the many things, valuing them over the one. We feel like on edge, anxious. It's overwhelming. But more than that, distraction from the one thing, it can be dangerous too. Um, here in the building, we're about to see a picture. At home, sorry, it's not on, not on the live stream. But in the building, we're going to see a picture. It's from a baseball game. Now, at baseball, they have a bat. And they swing it so hard with so much frosty, sometimes the bat just goes flying out of their hands. 
It's amazing. A beautiful event. But um, we're going to see a picture of a, of a boy going to a baseball game. And he's there at the main event, the big ball game. Have a little look at this. He's there at the main event on his phone. And do you see the bat? Like, oh my, distraction from the main event. Uh, like, that's dangerous. The bat is heading straight to his head. Oh, that's scary, right? Uh, but distraction from the main thing, that can be dangerous for us as Christians too. Uh, J.C. Ryle, he said, it's not open sin or flagrant breaches of God's commandments alone that lead men to eternal ruin. It is far more frequently an excessive attention to things in themselves lawful and the being cumbered about much serving. He's basically saying, bit by bit, the busyness and constant noise draws us Away from God, further and further and further and further. Away from the one thing, the Lord Jesus. So many things to do, but only one thing we need to do. Spend time with Jesus. In fact, look what he says in verse 42. He says, a few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better. It's a choice. Rather than busying herself with all the preparations that needed to be done, she's there sitting at Jesus' feet amidst the clamorings of of, of, of Martha shouting at her. She's sitting at the Lord Jesus' feet. She's chosen to spend time with him because she knows that he is the one thing she needs more than anything else. And why is that? Well, because it will not be taken away from her. This is the best thing to invest our time in because it lasts. Like, like time spent listening to and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an investment into our relationship with him. It's an investment into our future because that relationship with him, it endures through death and into life. Because he endured through death and into life. So when we spend time with him, it's like, wow! <sighs> Beautiful. Um, Lizzie and I, now we're married. Now, just imagine husband Stephen, there he is, working 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. every day, seven days a week, like staggering into bed at 10 o'clock because that's just so late, falling asleep, like, like working super hard, never really chatting to Lizzie, never really having much time with her, no cheeky then those dates here or there, no like competitive board games over there, like, like, like no time chatting. And What state is our marriage going to be in at that point? It's going to be a wreck. We all know you've got to put time in for a relationship to grow. You've got to put time talking to and listening to people. That's what Mary's doing. At the feet of Jesus. She's enthralled listening to him speak. She's spending time with him. And remember, he's on the road to Jerusalem. He's not around this earth in that physical body much longer. And she's investing time with him. Only one thing we need to do. Spend time with Jesus. And like, it will seem super strange and weird to society around us. But as um, as Amy Joseph said, in our age, the choice to be still, uh, to still oneself before the Lord, sorry, and his word often feels unproductive in the moment. However, such an unproductive choice not only uh, has dividends into eternity, but also powerfully changes the present. 
It brings peace to the anxious and troubled hearts. And it echoes into eternity. We need to kind of retrain our brains and our hearts a little bit, right? So, so, so that we realize tidy houses, like full bank accounts, epic GCSE grades, they don't endure. But a relationship with the Lord Jesus, oh, that does. What a special thing to put time and effort into. So, so BH, um, choose, choose what is better. Choose to, to be with Jesus. To love Jesus, to spend time, because he's the real hero of the story. He's the one all the attention is focused on. And, and how do we love him? Well, um, do you remember last week we saw a great picture of loving, loving your neighbor, the Good Samaritan? Well, well, this week we kind of get two pictures of the other side of verse 27, of loving the Lord. We get here uh, in Luke 10, 38 to 42, we love Jesus by listening to Jesus' word. Listening to him. But then in Luke 11, um, verse 1 through 5, we get, we love Jesus by talking to the Lord. Like, like loving the Lord, spending time with him is super simple. Listen to him through his word and speak to him through prayer. Uh, it's super simple, but so precious and so valuable. So beautiful. And so, BH, is this one thing, Jesus, your top priority? Does all of your life order and filter around that one thing, Jesus, and spending time with him? Do you have in your day, like, set quality time with Jesus? I mean, let's get practical. Um, let's uh, close our eyes and think about tomorrow. Just, just close your eyes. Think about tomorrow. What are some of the many things that you've got to do tomorrow? Can you see that list just rolling through? There's only one thing you need to do tomorrow. Spend time with Jesus. So, again, my eyes closed still. How can you prioritize the one thing? How can you prioritize Jesus in tomorrow? You can open your eyes again. Put it into action tomorrow. Make that one thing the priority. And actually... um. This got me thinking about church a little bit too. Because some of us are super busy here at church. Some of us on staff, some of us in the church, we're super busy serving on every single rotor. Like, like, like we're there in every service, busy, um, thinking about the intro to the next song. Uh, we only catch little snippets of sermons here and there. We're in and out, dancing all over the place. Only one thing we need to do. Spend time with Jesus. So maybe that means we who are super busy need to kind of step back from one or two things. And actually, if you're not kind of involved at the church, maybe that means you could step up and help your brothers and sisters out who are flogging themselves and get involved so that they can spend time with Jesus. It's the one thing we need to do. And so just as we kind of wrap up, um, Luke, he loves a good contrast. And he often contrasts men and women, and the women come out looking a whole lot better, like here. Because Mary, she's opposed, yes, to Martha, but also to the expert of the law in chapter 10. Do you remember him? Have a look at him. Uh, in verse 29, he's one who wants to justify himself, who wants to prove what he can do, how good he is to earn his way into God's love. And Don last week said, it's all about receiving the love of God. 
Well, right here, we get a picture of this inaction in Mary's life. She's sitting, not trying to justify herself by clanging pots and working hard, but just sitting and receiving from the Lord Jesus, listening to him, spending time with him. And and, uh, this is the portrait of the Christian life. It's one spent not giving to the Lord, but receiving from him. It's not about what we can do for God, but what he has done for us by dying on the cross. The Christian life is one of receiving love and forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. Not about earning our way into that love and forgiveness. Isn't that so beautiful? And super freeing as well. There's only one thing we need to do and spend time with Jesus. It's so liberating. It's so liberating for our to-do lists because no matter what else we accomplish in our day, if we've done that one thing, it's been a good day. It's been a fantastic, brilliant day. And so uh, next time you start, find yourself kind of saying, oh, there's too much to do. I'm too busy. Remember these words of Jesus in verse 42. Few things are needed, or indeed, only one. There's only one thing we need to do. Spend time with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, in this busy world we live in, we find ourselves joining in, like trying to earn our way, trying to make ourselves more and more busy. Father, help us to still ourselves. Lord, teach us that the one thing we need more than anything else is Jesus and to spend time with him. Would we value that above all else tomorrow when the endless to-do list starts racking up? Father, help us to prioritize this one thing, to spend time with the Lord Jesus. Amen.